Welcome to Revolutionize Your Retirement Radio, bringing you insights and strategies to help you create a magnificent and fulfilling second half of life. Here's your host, certified professional retirement coach and best-selling author, Dr. Dorian Mincer. I want to welcome everybody to the fourth Tuesday Revolutionize Your Retirement interview with Expert Series. I'm Dory Mincer, your host for the series. So today we're focusing on libraries and how libraries serve older adults. And I'm so delighted to have two guests with me today. Let me just start first with Nancy Waltenhouse, who I've actually met over the years through her involvement in the Boomers and Beyond Special Interest Group, as well as she's been part of these calls, too. Nancy's semi-retired counseling psychologist and organizational development consultant. She's an alumni of Seattle University, University of Washington, and the Organization Systems Renewal Program. She's a trained facilitator with the Northwest Center for Creative Aging. She's taught in four universities, worked in seven medical centers in clinical and organizational development roles, and consulted with multiple organizations. She founded the Well the Aging Learning Community in 2009 and continues to lead it today. The community meets monthly for an interactive program focused on positive aging with consciousness, courage, and contribution. Members select by consensus a variety of literary, music, and art projects for their programs, and the King County Library System hosts these programs. And Wendy Pender, who's also with us, has her MLS, her Master's in Library Sciences from the University of Pittsburgh. Wendy has a certificate in gerontology from the University of Washington and is a trained facilitator with the Northwest Center for Creative Aging. She has over 25 years of experience as a librarian and branch manager and now serves as Older Adults Program Coordinator at the King County Library System in Washington State. It's one of the largest and busiest library systems in the United States. In 2016, the Urban Library Council honored Wendy at its annual conference in Kansas City as one of the recipients of the 2016 Top Innovator Award. So I am delighted to have both of you here today. I actually learned about the wonderful work that Nancy's doing and has been doing since 2009 and her involvement with Wendy through discussions on the Boomers and Beyond SIG and suddenly it occurred to all of us, wow, this would be great to bring to everybody, not just to learn about the programs that they're doing in Washington State, but to really think about how might you be able to enlist the libraries in your local communities to be involved with older adults in programming. And, and we're in such a difficult time right now. And I just want to say one of the handouts happens to be thinking about the library system in the age of COVID-19. So we'll focus on that too. But so I want to welcome Nancy and Wendy. And I like to always just start a little bit about what got you interested in the work that you're doing with older adults. And then I know both of them really want to really have this be a good opportunity for you who are on the phone to hear not just about their programs, but to really think about how you might be able to get involved with your library and maybe get them to be for, for the aging process. 
So let me just start by asking, and you can decide who wants to go first, Nancy or Wendy. What got you interested in this in the first place? Maybe I'll try to go first, Wendy. Okay. Good morning, everybody. It's We're out here on the West Coast, so we're a little later than you are back there. on the. What got me interested? I think, first off, working in healthcare. I have worked in psychology, clinical psychology, and organizational psychology throughout my whole career. And my last position in healthcare was as program director for an inpatient geriatric psychiatry program and so I that focused me a lot more on the needs of older adults and that life stage so part of it was just my own professional background with that culminating assignment and I think the other part was just becoming an older adult myself and curious about what happens in the later stages of human development which we've heard so little about in the past and fortunately now we're hearing much more about it but that so it was curiosity and a desire and I also knew that retiring was going to be very tough for me because I was very career oriented and that I wanted to find a way of continuing my career but at a less intensive level and so I was looking for a way of doing that and this project occurred to me and I talked with a friend who was the the manager of the local library and she said would you consider telling her I wanted to do it she said would you consider doing it in the library and I hadn't thought of that at that point and I thought that's a great idea because she suggested it that's where we've always met so that's what got me involved in this Great. Thanks. And Wendy, what about you? That's a great question. It affects everyone and every family and every community. So there's a bit of self-interest. <clears throat> My mother lived to be a hundred. Can you hear me okay? My mother lived to be 103 and passed away mm-hmm. last Thanksgiving. My grandma lived to be 100. So I was always focused on a later life stage. I'm the youngest of seven children. My eldest sister is 22 years older than I am. So I always had focus on older people. Also, working in the library, you can see that aging is booming. And I thought, I need to understand this life stage better. And it's a fascinating area, as probably everyone on this call knows. There's so much innovation going on. It's such an interesting field of endeavor. So career-wise, it was interesting. Personally, it was interesting, and it was just a good fit for me. Oh, that's great. So each of you, often so much that way of personal experience as well as the life stages that we are. You certainly have longevity genes in your side of the family, Wendy. Mm -hmm. So there is long life ahead. So I guess I want to add, I'm going to, Jump ahead a little, but just how can working with the library help our listeners achieve their goals and assist their clients in achieving theirs? I wonder if you could respond to that, and maybe that will lead to some of the slides that you have to just help us understand the process. Sure. Like to, just, can I say just one thing about yeah. that and then turn it over to Wendy because she's, she's doing such wonderfully creative and programming work. But I know that for me, the if we had not been hosted – by our branch libraries over these. We're in our 11th year of continuous operation now. We wouldn't be in our 11th year of continuous operations because I don't have the interest or the energy to be able to do the physical part of hosting and do all of the other work that's involved in planning and coordinating and implementing a program. So it's absolutely essential for this project that we worked with the library. 
and I'm very grateful for their support. So maybe before we move on to that other question I asked, how about speaking just a little more, Nancy, of the actual program that you've developed and from your perspective the ways that the library hosted it? What were some of the things they did that that enabled it to happen, basically. The, our history is the first couple of years I called it the Aging Well Book Club, but we learned very quickly that we wanted to use a much broader array of catalytic material than just books and print material. And fortunately, we were able to get films from the library also, and we can get music from the library, so there are we can get the resources that we need from the library. Where we are now in our programming is we spend about half the year on the arts as it's related to aging well and then we spend about half the year using print and we don't put anything on the schedule for the reading part of the program if it's not available through the library system and that way people don't have to continue buying book after mm -hmm. book and getting a library that's larger than they can really manage so that part alone is extremely helpful mm -hmm. but also just having the space we meet in two different libraries and having you know a wonderfully appropriate comfortable free space makes all the difference in the world mm -hmm. the other thing that the library has done for us is that they announce our programs both on the website for the branch libraries and on the master website so that they help us getting the word out that this opportunity is going on. And we get our participants both from word of mouth. Most of them have come from word of mouth, but we also get people that have been searching for something in the area of aging well that's community-based. And they found us through the promotional activity of the library system. So that certainly has been a help too. We really wouldn't be where we are now if it weren't for the support of the King County Library System. Well, thank you, Nancy. <laughs> but that's what um, Nancy said on the Boober SIG, which made me really say we need to include you too on it. Were you working on programs, Wendy, for older adults, or did it begin more with Nancy's programs, which came first, or it probably doesn't matter, but I just am curious. Yeah, I was also working on older adults programs before I met Nancy. I'd heard about the aging and learning community. I was part of something your listeners may be familiar with called Transforming Life After 50, which was an initiative put out by the state of California. And so I was a branch manager at that time doing programming focused on older adults. And one of the things I want the listeners to know is that most libraries have story times. We have, we've established our brand, if you will, with regard to children very strongly. Everybody thinks about the library with regard to story times. But I want you to know that there is a powerful movement afoot on adult and older adult programming. So if you haven't been to the library recently, I encourage you to go to your local library, look around, see what's happening, and you can see what a powerful place it is to be responsive to community needs. So I got to go to Nancy's group, the Aging Well Learning Community, a fabulous group, a wonderful model, and I think of it as a springboard to other programming. We also do something called Wisdom Cafes, which are discussion groups based on topics pertaining to aging without 
what I consider possibly a barrier of reading a book. Not everybody is a reader. I hate to admit it, but and this is a way people can share their life wisdom, share their experience. And Nancy's been a facilitator for our wisdom cafes as well. And are they monthly or weekly or how do you do the wisdom cafes? It depends on the branch, I'll say. We have 50 locations. KCLS is one of the biggest library systems in the land. That's not going to be the case with every place. So each local library can choose what they would like to do. For a couple of years, I had a grant to administer, and we did them in series of three, three, three months or three weeks, whatever the local library wanted to do. And some of them have taken off. There's been one that's been meeting for several years now. They have about 26 participants meeting regularly. This is before the time of COVID. Of course, we're moving online with some of these resources now and navigating that along with everyone else in the country. And it's not just discussion groups. I've got lots more to say, but I, I want to make sure I share the air. So. I, did you want to add would something, you, Nancy, about that before we... I could just say, as one of the facilitators for the Wisdom Cafes, that I've really enjoyed that. And I listen to the people who come. Often, uh, people are dealing with the problem of loneliness as older adults and social isolation. Of course, this was before COVID, and it's just magnified now. But they were so grateful to be invited to the library and into a welcoming conversation with people that they shared a lot in common with and expressed uh, but really deep gratitude for the opportunity that was there. One of the things that I really love about working with the library is that I think we all know that as people age, many people start running into really scarce financial resources and are struggling financially. And I think it's wonderful that many needs can be met through our public library system and, and that we all pay for it. So we should use it creatively and effectively. And I think that's happening in King County, and I'm so pleased that it is. Thank you. And another thing I, I love Go ahead. the library, there's no stigma to go to the library. One of the first things I wanted to do was host health education classes, which ordinarily one might go to a hospital for, but you have to pay for parking. I don't want to go to the hospital. Just in general, it feels scary. And with the library, we've got free parking. We're generally on bus lines. There's no stigma. It has that warm community environment, familiar, friendly people. Many of us have fond memories of going to the library. And it's just that welcoming space. We don't care who you are, what your background is, your economics, your race. We invite all people, all are welcome. And that is such an important principle right now that we really activate. Which is really terrific to hear. And when you said about the stigma, it's interesting because I know some people say they don't like to go to senior centers because of the word senior centers and not wanting to identify. But the library is, as you say, it's for children. It's for all ages. So throughout the lifespan. So Chris from Pennsylvania asked, and I know we'll probably get to it, but I just want to, because I know she had told me she might have to leave a little earlier. Have you been involved with other communities or library systems to launch new creative aging programs? Me? Yeah, um, when do you need to speak that? Well, either one of you. Uh, yeah? Have I worked with other library systems? 
yeah, to do more creative aging. Actually, yes, I'm excited. King County Library System, where I work, is the district that surrounds the city of Seattle. And not quite a year ago, I helped the Seattle Public Library onboard their new position, Older Adult Program Manager, a fabulous woman named Nancy Sloat. Also, within the last year, Denver Public Library has hired a similar position, Amy Delpo, and Amy and I presented last year at the American Society of Aging Conference, along with a couple of her colleagues from the state of Colorado. So I, I feel like aging is touching on in the library world. Which is great to hear. And actually, there's a comment here from Michelle from Arlington, Mass., and then I'll let you get on with your slides and then a great question a little later, but mentions that in Arlington, Mass., she says, I coordinate programming called Plugged In at the Robbins for 50-plus adults supported by the Robbins Library. We're now in our eighth season. We just kicked off virtual programs this month. June 10th, we're going to offer Bring New Life to Your Quarantine Home. And on June 30th, we'll do a baseball-themed concert, Zoom Me Out to the Ball Game. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> That's great. I agree. We have changed our monthly programming to every three weeks during this time. So that was just a comment from somebody in Massachusetts. Oh. That's great. Yeah, we were able to work closely with one of our community partners, Silver Kite Community Arts, which is an award-winning intergenerational arts company, to provide daily arts programming when we went into quarantine. So we've been doing that since March 21st. If people are looking for something to do, again, as Nancy mentioned, we're always thinking about social isolation and what can people do to keep their minds active, their hearts and spirits active. So we're doing that. We are also, like tomorrow, I'm hosting a program called How to Be a Friend to Someone with Dementia by Allison Schreier of Thriving with Dementia. She has an incredibly powerful story and powerful tools for folks who are working with people with memory loss, not just working with in a professional capacity, but memory loss is touching many of us in terms of our families, our neighbors. So I encourage you to tune into that if you'd like on our website, kcls.org. Shall I go through the slides or? Yeah, why don't you do that now and describe them because not everybody has them in front of you. And then I have some more comments and questions that I'll integrate as we go along. I will, and I love to zoom me out to the ball game. <laughs> yeah, I'm borrowing that. Libraries are very collaborative. Let's just say that, and we're not closed. We may be closed for materials. You can't get into the library now, but many of us have gone online. So I urge you to check out your local library sources and see what they are doing and how you might be able to support them and how they might be able to support you in this time. So my first slide, if you're looking at that, is the biggest thing, as I say, it's not just for kids. We have lifelong learning resources, research. We have very skilled, wonderful, talented people. If you've ever known a librarian, I hope you've fallen in love with her or him. We're very compassionate people. We are committed to intergenerational connections. We are committed to our community. It's breaking our hearts not to be serving people in person right now, but we'll get through this together. And I know many people are anxious for us to reopen. We are very anxious as well. 
We also have lots of volunteer opportunities. I know that's so critical as people are transitioning to retirement. They want to stay active. They've been engineers and doctors, and what can I do now in retirement? And often we are able to find a good fit for people at the library where they can still be teaching, they can still be giving their gifts, and that's an exciting part that we can also play. And then technology. We're all dying for internet access right now, and we are also providing maker spaces. Last year, I had a grant to do virtual reality out to senior living communities. Previous year, I'd done something I called an arts and tech fest, where we took virtual reality and 3D printing and all that into the libraries so people could experiment with them there. And <laughs> I, I captioned it, why should kids have all the fun? That's one of my guiding principles. If it looks like fun, the adults are hanging back and watching. No, this is for you. This is for us. We need to learn and keep active, and we get to experiment. Kids have camp. Kids have school. Where do we go to learn about new technologies and to have fun? So we did that for a couple of years, and then last year I thought, that's a barrier getting to the library for some people. So we went into senior living communities and brought all our computers and virtual reality headsets and all that and just had a ball seeing uh, virtual reality to people. Some of the most reticent participants, like, oh, I don't know, it says people might feel dizzy. What percentage of people feel dizzy? I'm like, I don't know. If you feel dizzy, lift it up. You'll be fine. And that lady, I was having to hold on to her. She was scooting around in her chair, just getting so excited <laughs> about being in this virtual environment. It was hilarious. So we get the chance to do that, working in concert with some of our senior living communities. I'm going on to slide two. Slide two, three, and four are basically tying what you might be doing as a retirement professional with what the library has. So slide two is if your goal is to help job seekers We've got information about companies, we've got market trends, we've got resume development software. If your job is to, if your goal is to grow your business or map your community assets, we've got information about customers with demographics, we've got market trends, we've got business handbooks. Maybe your goal is to help people gain life skills. You're helping perhaps new Americans or something like that, or you're involved in the health industry. At the, at the library, you can take a class. You can volunteer as an ESL tutor. You can join a discussion group. So that there's all these things beyond story times that you might not be aware of. So I encourage you to download the slides, take a look. There's one on the Wisdom Cafes. We we surveyed the first 600 participants. They weren't all, some of them had been to more than one cafe, but the single most important takeaway everyone listed was, I'm not alone. So if that speaks to your heart, that is, we have a proven model for reducing social isolation, helping people feel connected, helping people feel like their life story is important. And I encourage you to take a deeper look at Wisdom Cafes. One of the things I like to do, I'm on slide seven, is have fairs, gather people. We've got these wonderful community spaces. We've had health fairs. We've had, I mentioned the arts and tech 
theft, where we had classes like better cell phone photography. Who doesn't want, who doesn't need that? We all need that. Slide eight talks about what we've mentioned. We're community-based, familiar, easy to get to. We're free, no barriers to participation, no stigma, multi-purpose, multi-generational. And slide 10 talks about how much people need information as they move through the transition as older adults. They need advice. They need technology training. We need to keep our brains active through lifelong learning. We need meaning. We're looking for social and, and community connections. And then slide 12 is about what is a partnership. This is something many of the social workers might be familiar with on the call. It's a line that talks about one form is inform, one is consult, one is involve, the next is collaborate, and the final one is empower. And we try to work in the collaboration and empowerment part of the spectrum. So it's not just we tell you, we decide what's going to be and put it out there. We want to work in concert with you and with our community to be responsive to community needs. Let's decide together what to do. Then the benefits of partnership, I'm on slide 13, sharing resources. As Nancy mentioned, aligning with community goals and helping reach out to people who may not know what they have right there in their community. And then how do we get there? Communication, shared goals, mutual contribution, aligned values. So as you can tell, I'm very excited about the library and all the assets we have beyond all the books, streaming resources. We've got films you can download, music you can download, even in this time of quarantine. We've got e-books, audio books. We've got people, if the holds list are too long, we've got people who can tell you what is available now, what might be available that I could read right away. And, it's just, it's a wonderful community asset working for you. So I hope you'll get connected and check it out. That's great. Now, I did have a question here from Karen saying, uh, from Florida, can you please restate the website where we can get info on how to be a friend to someone with dementia? Oh, sure. The website is KCLF, like King County Library System, dot O-R-G. Libraries will often have ORG as opposed to com. Okay. So KCLS.org. And in fact, today, later today, we're having a class from the Alzheimer's Association on a similar topic. Mm. So come on, join us. On, it's all yeah, online I'm, now. You don't yeah. even have to get in the car. I'm really so impressed with, with the programs that you've developed. And it's so wonderful that it's, as you say, it involves people you know, who don't have money, it's intergenerational, multicultural. But somehow, and this ties into Kathy's question from Virginia, she says, the question's about funding. <laughs> Kathy says, my fairly large, over 22 branches, varying sizes, centralized suburban library system prioritizes children's services, which is fine. Yep. It's the established brand. But there is next to no funding for adult programs, aside from adult librarians. There is almost only free, no cost, to library adult programs. There is almost no programming for, quote, older adults. As you say, work is involved in developing serious programs and services. That means funding. And she says, our system has no DVD or music lending. How are you funded? How Do you have suggestions on how to how people can 
work with that within their own library system. Sure, and libraries are funded all different kinds of ways. King County Library System happens to be funded almost exclusively through real estate taxes. I came from the state of Ohio where the where the libraries were funded through income taxes. The city of Seattle library is actually a department and agency of the city, so they are funded by the city. So it libraries are funded all different kinds of ways. And while funding is important, it's not the only thing. I would suggest approaching one of those adult services librarians, we call them adult services librarians as opposed to children's librarians, and talk to them. You'll find someone who has a heart for older adults. It's not always about the money. We do pay, we pay some presenters, and often presenters will also donate their services as a means of community service, giving back. It also does help get their name out there. People will also just use our library meeting rooms, which you can sign up for free online, and that helps them also do their business. But I would suggest don't just walk in cold because the person you talk to, you never know what's going on. They're preparing for a program. They're working on the collection. They're trying to deal with a difficult patron or something. Call and make an appointment. Introduce yourself. Tell them you're interested in adult programming and you would like to talk to someone about the adult programming opportunities in your community and have coffee. See who it is. It might be in a smaller library system. It, could, it might be the director. It might be a branch manager. I think in the system you described with 20 or more branches, it will likely be a branch manager. And talk about what they're doing, what the possibilities are, what else you see going on in your community that you could amplify. Those are great suggestions. Nancy, do you have some suggestions? Well, I just have a reflection on that, Wendy, and noticing the programming that's offered to the Older Adults Program. It's, I think you've done a great job in the community partnership area, and when you really think about it, it's in the best interest from a marketing point of view for anyone who's working in the field of aging services, whether they're working as a sole provider or part of an agency, to offer some programming for free and use the benefits of the promotional system that the library has to get the word out. It's they, it's definitely a win-win relationship. So we, you don't have to pay people to do that. They're really fortunate to have the promotional opportunities. And I think you've done a great job of with that combination. Oh, thank you. And I will say, like all educational processes, it is ongoing. It is not like we've got all the answers. I can't tell you the number of meetings I'm in, but I'm still, people are like, oh, kids and teens, kids and teens, and, and adults, and older adults. And I'm like, oh, yeah. One of the things you can ask them to do is find out, for instance, I have the powerful number that 28% of our borrowers are 50, age 50 and above. So that's a pretty powerful number to, like, we need to respond to 28% of our constituents. So if you can, ask them, how many older adults are in your, are your card holders? Or, and many friends of the library groups are naturally older adults, ask to talk to the friends and see what programming they would like to see. A lot of times, Friends of the Library put on book sales and raise money for the library, and 
usually they're only thinking about kids just because that's what we've done for decades is we've funded library programs for kids. But if you can bring them, hey, what about having one of the other programs we've had is something we call a baby boomer boot camp where it's like a mini conference. We have four hours on a Sunday afternoon that we do in partnership with the local senior center. The senior center wanted to break down the stigma because how many times have we all heard, I don't want to go to a senior center. You need to go and see what's happening there. And this really helped. We have been busting out the walls with 50 and 80 people coming for value. They will come for value. We've had wonderful keynote speakers on everything from cardio health to end-of-life planning, of course, dementia, advanced directives, but also making it fun, getting in movement during the day. We had somebody on with trekking poles, a physical therapist, come talk to us about fitness goals that way. It doesn't have to be all doom and gloom. It's fun. Let's make it not all fun. Okay. But there's a freedom that comes, and I think we can capitalize on that. Just underscore that a hundred times. <laughs> I think that's really important. And there's actually a comment here by Michelle from Arlington, Mass, who says, she says, for Plugged In, we're funded by the Barry Memorial Fund, not just the heart. We are a spending demographic, and you can find a sponsor. I think it's Michelle's comment speaks to what you were saying, Wendy, that asks how many people are over 50 there. are an important demographic, and it's going to get bigger and bigger as the years go by and as we live longer. So it's really important to educate libraries too about the important the importance of dealing with the older learner and lifelong right. so I think really another, keep that in mind yeah go ahead another thing we've been able to do I mentioned senior living communities some of these senior living communities also have an interest in having people not be afraid of moving into one of those places. They also suffer from stigma and sometimes they have money. We were so fortunate to be able to have Joy Laverty who wrote Who Will Take Care of Me When I'm Old about solo aging. One of our senior living communities, Aegis Living, flew her in from Chicago And she spoke at a couple of their communities. She spoke at a couple of our libraries. We were the beneficiary of their community outreach. So there's all kinds of ways for to fund things. It's the advocate that you really need to find. Identify the champion who's committed to it. Yeah, that sounds like that is so important. So Barbara from New Jersey says, I'm a newly retired baby boomer, having worked in the healthcare industry for over 30 years most recently in a senior facility with assisted living residents. One activity that I found the residents enthusiastically responded to was journaling about their life. She asks, have either of you wonderful speakers had any experience in that activity? Yes, I have. And that is some of the programming that we've done in the Aging Well Learning community. It turns out that we have a member who has specialized in that area herself as a ghostwriter and helping people write memoirs. And she does classes on memoir writing at the local senior centers, and she's become a member of our group. So she's done a couple of sessions for us on memoir writing. And one of the nice things about being part of an ongoing community as we are is that people build personal relationships that last outside a meeting. 
so we have subgroups of people who are working on memoir writing that are part of the larger Aging Well Learning community, and they, their interests got stimulated and nourished and reinforced through the programs that we do. All these are really excellent points. I do want just a housekeeping detail. I know there was a question about how to download the slides. I think you just open them up and can look at them, or you can download them and print them out afterward. Donna, I'll just ask you for one second. Donna's my administrative helper. If you're on the call, is there any special way to download the slides? Sorry, I had to unmute myself. Yeah, you should okay. just give there's a link on the event page. And it's under call handouts and links. And the first link is get program slides. So if you click on that, you should be taken to a new window where that PDF is available. Or if you want to use your mouse and right click and download that to your hard drive, you can do that just in all one fell swoop. If you open it into a new window, you'll have to make a second. I think you'll have to, let's see what it does here. Yeah, there'll be a down arrow for you to download it to your hard drive. Okay. Thank you. So I have a few questions from, from Barbara from California. Let me just start. One is suggestion. She said, is if your city is part of the ARP WHO network of age-friendly cities, check with ideas for ARP, and that may help you with some funding as well as perhaps some programming things. And I also really liked Wendy's suggestion of, I think it was Nancy's suggestion, sorry, of as you get to know the people who start coming to these programs, what I am so impressed with always is just the level of competence and expertise that so many people have. And so it is important to tap into that because it's part of what I see happening a lot with just the lifelong learning programs. People can be teachers as well as learners. And it is important to the giving back is, I think, sometimes even more important as uh, being helped, or at least it's a counter to it. <laughs> um, yeah, I'd like so, to comment on that, Dory, if I may. Um, sure. It's been interesting to me looking at who are the people that are attracted to the aging well learning community and, and uh, in that particular group, many of them are professionals who are wanting some kind of continuation. It reminds me of, I think you had Nancy Schlossberg on as one of your guests some time back and written about six different paths that people take in retirement that were very interesting to me personally and, and then looking at where I am in that. One of the paths she talked about were continuers and that's what I see a lot in the group that is attracted to the aging learning community is that these are people who have had very substantive professional careers and are interested in giving back and are looking for ways of doing that. And what they find being in a community is the encouragement to follow through on that desire. So we really turn out to be a support system for one another. Yes, and if I could also say shout out to RP. That was my first mm -hmm. phone call five years ago when my position was established. It had not been done in the library system before. And I was like, well, what do I do? I'm, like, well, I'm going to call ARB. They were fantastic partners. We did Fraud Watch and Life Reimagined mm -hmm. classes at 35 locations in our large county, touching hundreds of people. Their marketing machine, of course, is fantastic. They also provide technical classes now, like getting to know your smartphone and, oh, how to use your tablet better, things like that. I 
really encourage people to reach out to RP or help your library do because they are really active and wonderful. They're also doing a, a brain five steps to a healthy brain or something like that now that's also been a great class and wonderful volunteers. Mm. I if I could also just say, go ahead, <laughs> continue. <laughs> well, that's, good. that's good. It's my yeah. purpose, to inspire people. Yeah. We are also right. doing memoir writing and storytelling workshops through our partnership with Silver Kite. Someone mentioned mm-hmm. if you, you have to have a KCLS library card, but Silver Kite is also doing classes for other library systems now. It's like spreading. <laughs> So it's good. It's good. That's exciting. Yeah. And now Barbara from California has one more question. She said, I'd like to hear more about how to create intergenerational programs. Could either one of you comment on that? I'd be happy to. Nancy, do you want to say something? What I would say is we've talked about the importance of doing that, but we have not, other than learning about that and discussing that and sharing different ways in which we are involved intergenerationally within the Aging Well Learning community, we haven't created programming outside of that. Go ahead, Wendy. For us, the most successful ones have been where you have what I will describe as a captive group of kids or whatever generation and a captive group of older adults. For instance, a school or scout troop or something like that coming to a senior living community. It hasn't been that successful when we've just said, here we are having something in the library and it's meant for intergeneration. It can be, but if your purpose is to create conversation between the generations, one of the best things I went to was at the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation camp one year where I was coming as an older adult and there were nine-year-olds and they asked us, what does the media say about your generation? Mm. And what do, what do they get right? What do they get wrong? Mm. That prompted such fruitful discussion, and we built it around a community project. I think we were stuffing bags of pet food to go along with mm. Meals on Wheels delivery. So there was something we could do together, which, of course, helped our feeling of community. And then that question and those discussions were just wonderful. That sounds great. I'm also thinking, it wasn't through a library, but I just know that through, when my son was young and through his school, there was interviewing of older adults and hearing their stories. And then the flip is having the younger kids tell their stories of something important or meaningful in their life. And I could imagine that could be a wonderful thing to to generate some intergenerational things at a library also. Exactly. Let's see, Barbara again has another wonderful comment. She says, for funding, you can also check with your local chamber of commerce for a business who's interested in reaching the older adult demographic. I think that's a great idea, too. And Vicki from Los Angeles says, hi, Wendy. One thing I have found when I work with people in Seattle is that aging professionals will say to me, do you know Wendy Pender? (laughs) Wendy has done a great job marketing across industries. And this way, the aging professionals are feeding Wendy's library system with experts and new resources that could be used for programming. I think that's a beautiful example of the cross-fertilization that happens. And Vicki, for those of you who don't know, Vicki, a number of years ago was presented here. And Vicki does wonderful work on care 
giving, caretaking, and she's an ethical, oh, I always get that wrong, a bioethicist who really helps in difficult decision making. So she'd be a good person for different libraries to, to have speak. And maybe now that so much is virtually, I'm offering your services, Vicki, or other people. Um, oh, my God. Maybe you totally should host Vicki and read her book, The Caregiver's yes. Guide to decision making. It's she wonderful. is amazing. Uh, yeah. I think a little to, and Vicki, it's lovely having you on the call here too. There are a few other questions too, but how, what kind of programs are you offering now and what do you envision? Do you envision that's going to be virtual for a long time to come? When you think of it, as I, I hate the ageist implication of it, but it is true that we are of a age where there's more vulnerability and it's so hard for me to figure out when it's going to be safe to be back in groups. And so I just wondered what your thinking is and which programs seem to work best with the virtual nature of it and which are you just putting on hold right now? A lot of this is TBD, <laughs> to be determined. We are right. in such early stages and libraries across the country are addressing this. How do we get our materials back? How do we make sure everybody's safe? How do we make sure our staff is safe? What do we need to do about quarantining materials that are coming back? In terms of programming, we will definitely be continuing something virtually. Something that's been really exploding virtually has been gardening programs online. So that's, if any librarians listening, hire your local garden center to do something, um, to do something online. That's been very, very well attended. I think we had 80 at one, one class last week. Also, our foundation did estate planning in terms, in times of COVID, and they yeah. hit 300 registrants. Wow. People, all the end of life concerns have, are just being mm. more exacerbated, if you mm. will, with mm -hmm. this time. We don't know when we are coming back live, so we are planning to continue something virtually for the foreseeable future. And because you've probably heard about Seattle traffic being so miserable, that's been a blessing of one of the mm -hmm. things of not being able to go anywhere is not having to go anywhere. And mm -hmm. so I think we're finding as we can transition that we will continue the virtual programming. I'm also concerned about people who don't have internet access. What do we do? How do we bridge the digital divide? So there are many people thinking about that as well. We're taking hotspots out to homeless encampments and things like that mm. so that people can continue to be connected. It's a complicated mm. issue for sure. Yeah. Excellent though. A couple of people have asked what who Vicky's last name. So Vicky's last name is Kind, K-I-N-D. And she is a very kind wonderful, compassionate person. So her last name is K-I-N-D, Vicki Kind. So Cassie from Virginia says, who initiated and carried out your older adults page on your website? Can you please discuss that? We have a department, our online library services department. So I get to have input into it. And then they are also always pulling content from what is being hosted by all the librarians locally. So people may do a book list and somebody in the social media department or OLS, online library services, says, oh, this would be a good one for the older adults page. So I have some input and then many people, because we're so big, many people have input mm. into that. I welcome your suggestions. My email address is at the end of the slideshow and 
if you've got something good, let me know. So you want to just give your email address, Wendy? Sure. It's on the slides, but you might have, yeah. Sure. My first and last name, W-G Pender, W-G-P-E-N-D-E-R, at K-C-L-S dot O-R-G. Great. Thank you. Kathy asks another question. She says, who can attend the Gates Camp that you mentioned? Oh, I do not know the answer to that question. (laughs) I have to check on their website. Don from Canada says, Ellen Langer, who was a guest of mine last month, actually, highlights the dreadful impact of assumed helplessness among the aging. Most library resources are devoted to light escapist reading. Seniors need challenging books to stretch their minds and assess the wisdom for society as a whole. This demands an unflinching, anti-fragile mindset. Do you agree or not or thoughts on this? Totally agree. I totally agree. I was presenting at PLA, the Public Library Association, in Nashville in February, and I said, how did we get into this culture mindset where when you go to large print, it's westerns and romance? And like, and I asked my audience, do you read westerns and romance? You don't become someone different when you turn 50 or 60 or 70 or 80. Everything that you want now at your current age, we want later in life. (laughs) So, yes, I agree with you, and there's work to be done. So we're trying to do – we're doing as best we can, but I totally agree. Great, thanks. And March from Canada says, I've recently retired, very interested in seniors and seeking how to get involved in senior careers. How does one start? Do I require qualifications for some of these ideas? I don't. I don't. Yeah, this is Nancy. I think it depends on what your interests are. Obviously, in some areas you need credentials, and others you don't. But one of the things that I have found and really been delighted with as a patron of the King County Library System is that there's really a lot of openness there, where we can go in and, at a minimum, I could request a meeting room and put together a program, and as long as it is open to anyone who drops in, I can do pretty much I want within the library system. So it's a great it's a great public space to create something new and offer it to the community and see what happens. And the other way of course is to work with the librarian and suggest a program to them and they may decide to formally host it. So I found the library system very open and supportive of the ideas that I've brought to it and the help that I've needed from it to make these things happen. So in a sense, what I hear and what's impressed me over time knowing you, Nancy, is the way that you get these ideas and work with people and then help connect other people. And it sounds like that's how you've approached it. And it yes, to yeah. me, it seems like it's organic then, and it leads to meeting people, other people referring people to you. And it sounds like it's the same kind of thing you're doing. Also, yeah. Wendy, which is really quite lovely. Yeah. Yeah. So another, let's see, um, Vicki does say she'd be happy to help virtually for any of those different library programs. Kathy from, from Virginia said that she was just clarifying her question. She just wondered who agreed to start the page. If there hadn't been the older adult page before on your library website, like, did somebody just say we need to do it or was that something from a springboard from you, Wendy? Or I guess the question is how does one go about 
starting like a network for older adults or something within the library system? How I'm right. reading the question. There's networking outside your organization and there's networking inside your organization. <laughs> for instance, we always had an older adult page, I should say, since five years ago when my position was established, but it was never on the front page like it is now. And mm-hmm. that, I think, was really because the administration at our library saw that older adults in this time of COVID particularly are being affected by this and need to raise we needed to raise the visibility of it. So I'm like, yes, I finally landed on the front page. I don't want to give up that real estate. Now, I don't know if when we reopen regularly, if that will then slide back onto where you have to dig a little further into the audience button, usually you have to see. So it's a combination of serendipity with our online mm-hmm. library services. Also, I have support of the leadership of the library bosses boss. It takes a village. It's right. really a cultural yeah. change. And really embracing and valuing older people. It's yeah. like anti-ageism in a sense and being able to be the advocate for that. Sounds like it's such an important thing. Another question from Kathy who says, can you comment more on professionals continuing on after retirement? And I guess, ways perhaps they can be involved in this kind of programming. One of the things I hear in Kathy's question is the idea of encore careers where, you know, people, whether it be paid or not paid, think about what your skills are and how you want to use them perhaps in a different way or what skills you want to let go of and what ones you want to develop. And it could be offering programs in the library system. It could be developing new schools, new tools, becoming a coach or a consultant or there's so many different things. Nancy, when Nancy in particular, I think you represent such a beautiful kind of encore career in that you had all of these years of your extensive work and now you're doing all of this volunteer and it's enriching you as well as enriching your community and it's just yeah. such a beautiful example of both giving back and what's that connection, engagement, and purpose and meaning. Exactly. That's just what I was thinking yeah. of, Dory, and we know yeah. how critical that is to well-being right. in later life. Right. So I am acutely aware that not only am I doing this work as a gift for others, but I benefit greatly from doing it as well. It truly is a win-win. Mm-hmm. What, what's been on the question of being a continuer, it's been interesting to me getting a chance to know people from many different walks of life through the Aging Well Learning Community, see what they're doing with their lives in retirement. Just about every one of them wants to be a continuer in some way, but some people choose mm-hmm. to do a different kind of work than they've done in the past or something related. We have an interesting man in our community who taught in universities theatrical lighting. He was in the theater department for many years. He never thought of himself as an artist. And he became very bored and very depressed in retirement. And they had moved from one state to another. And the first six years or so after the move up here to Washington were really tough for him, leaving everything behind that had been his life. And then he started getting involved in in sculpturing stone. And then he got involved with an arts group in the local little town here. And now he's part of the core staff there. And he's finally able to, after so many years, call himself an artist. And he creates beautiful work, and he shares it with us and with the community and with others. It's been exciting to see that path broaden in some ways, from theater lighting director to to sculptor and self-described artist. 
It's a beautiful example of the continuing, continuer, yeah. right? Yeah. And if you think about it, it's part of saging, which I so love too, of this idea of embracing our elderhood, embracing the wisdom and perspective that hopefully we allow ourselves to have as we get older and recognizing that we can reinvent ourselves in these different ways or just view ourselves in different ways as this person and allow the creativity to emerge. Yeah, to own it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To own it. Yeah. Nancy and Wendy said they could stay a couple more minutes, so I don't have any more questions here right now or comments to integrate. So I wonder if each of you want to share, although there was, Kathy did say front page, congratulations. About <laughs> but uh, would each of you like, what would be a, a takeaway? What would you like to leave people with of your thoughts of your work and the role of the library system and what you would like people to hold on to after this call? Do you want to go first, Wendy? Sure. I guess the word that sticks in my mind is collaboration. I'll work with anybody. That's the joy of my job is that it goes cross-sector in every direction, every industry, every economic strata. And if I feel like it's not working, I don't spend my time beating my head against the wall. Oh, okay, that that group, that didn't really fly. We Our goals didn't get met. Let's move on. The world is rich with resources, and there's always another organization. There's another book. People always ask, what's the best book on this topic? It's like the one that you will read and use is the best book on that topic. Keep looking. Keep searching. Keep the library in mind. Keep asking questions. Yeah. Great. Thank you. For me, I think it's about a renewal and refreshment that I have found Mm -hmm. such great value in being able to continue learning in a focused way through the Aging Well Learning Community. The value of new relationships that, well, I did invite some people that I knew there were many people that came that I didn't know and then developed a relationship with. The value of community, being committed to one another over the long haul has been such a gift. And just realizing that no matter, I'm going to be 78 soon, no matter how old we are, there's always the opportunity to learn new things and form new relationships. The possibilities are always there, and that's what makes life worth living at any age. And and I'm really grateful for those opportunities. That's so well nicely said in terms of that. And I think with that, just keeping in mind the importance of recognizing our demographics. We are, whether we're in our 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, we're, excuse me, we're an important part of the the land here, the demographics of it. And actually, a couple of comments also were here about demographics of patrons are compelling. And check yeah. with friends of the library for funding. Maybe yeah. we have them. And, but it's, I think it's devaluing ourselves and valuing that no matter what our age, we want to learn and we have things to contribute and, and to really use the system that's available. I'm really impressed. It makes, I really do want to make some contact with my local library here too. I'm so impressed with the work that you've been doing out there and, and just thinking about the longevity of it. You started your program, Nancy, in 2009. Right. Yeah. And, and it sounds like, as you said, that much of what you're able to offer to people and be part of wouldn't be able to happen if you didn't have the free place and all of the support and resources that the library for, provides. So it's such an important area to It's really about, partner- about partnerships, yeah. 
partnership. Partnership yeah. and collaboration. Absolutely. Yes, partnership yeah. and collaboration. Yeah, for sure. Thank you both so much for being our guests today and being here and sharing. And I want to thank everybody for being part of it and all your comments and questions. And hopefully everybody can, in their your respective communities, think about how you might be able to engage with the library system to help people have that connection, engagement, and purpose and meaning. So I wish everybody to stay well and safe. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. You've been listening to Revolutionize Your Retirement Radio with Dr. Dorian Mincer. To learn more about the resources mentioned on today's show, listen to past episodes, or download our free retirement transition guide, visit revolutionizeyourretirementradio.com.